Peter and the Starcatcher by Dave Barry and Ridley Pearson. Chapter 2 Not far down the wharf, from the salty dog and the mermaid song, two men toiled in a dark, dismal warehouse, its enormous doors open to the harbour and the ships that were preparing for departure. Are we done, then? asked Alf, the bigger of the two. He had a nose wart the size and shape of a small mushroom, because I could use some grog. Alf, being a sailor, could always use some grog. Not yet, said Mac. Slink says we we got one more to get aboard. This one over here. Mac, a thin man but as strong as any hand on the Neverland, had a tattoo of a snake's head on his neck, the snake's body disappearing into his sour clothes. Mac pointed to a corner of the warehouse where a filthy canvas was draped over a bulky object. The two men trudged over. Mac grabbed a corner of the canvas and pulled it off, revealing a common-looking trunk made of rough wood but held shut by thick chains and secured by two, no, three padlocks. Alf studied the trunk, frowning. Hmm. Ain't this the trunk them soldiers brought in here this morning? He asked. It looks like it, said Mac. But it ain't. There was two trunks coming together. The black one got loaded onto the wasp by them soldiers. Heavy as lead it was. Then Slank pulls me aside and says he wants us, real careful like, to put this one on board the Neverland. He says... Tie the canvas tight round it and walk it up the main gangway like it belongs to one of the travelers. He says if we do it right, there's two bob more in our pay. A piece? said Alf. A piece? said Mac. All right then, said Alf, who was not one to ask questions when two bob was involved. Let's tie her up then, said Mac. You lift the end of there, and I'll tuck this canvas underneath and slip the rope round it. Why don't you lift the end, said Alf. It, it, it's me back, Alf, complained Mac. Oh, oh, you, you know how it troubles me. No more than mine troubles me, said Alf. But, but I said it first, said Mac. Alf sighed. The longer they argued, and Alf knew from experience that Mac would argue this point a good long time, the less chance he'd have at getting some grog before they set sail. Well, all right then, Alf said, and he squatted to grab hold of the ends of the trunk. Alf was a simple man of simple wants. What he hoped to get from life was food that was soft enough to chew, a place to sleep out on the rain, sleep out of the rain, and some grog now and again. Alf had never known true happiness, and he didn't expect to. And so, he was not ready, not ready at all, for what happened when his rough, calloused hands touched the trunk. First, he felt it, a warmth starting in his hands but quickly moving up his arms and down his back and into his legs and everywhere the warmth went it was wonderful like stepping into a bath 
In an instant, the pain in his bent old spine, the throbbing pain that he'd lived with since almost his first day on the docks, was gone. So was the aching weariness in his legs. Gone! But there was more. There was... a smell. It was flowers. New grass in a meadow right after a spring rain. A fresh orange being peeled. It was cinnamon and honey. And bread just baked and pulled from the oven. And another smell even more wonderful than all of the others. Though Ralph Alf couldn't place it. Like nighttime, he thought. Alf could see light now, swirling around his head, colors and sparkles moving to music, dancing to the sound of bells. Yes, it was bells, tiny ones by the sound of them. And it was a sweet and joyful sound, though Alf could hear something else in it, something that seemed to be trying to tell Alf something. He strained to hear it. He wanted to hear it. Alf! said Mac, shaking Alf's shoulder harder now, hard enough that Alf let go of the trunk. And when he did, the wonderful smells were gone, and so were the lights and the bells, and Alf could feel the weight come back into his body, his back and his arms and his legs, along with all the old aches and pains, and he felt himself settling, as though he'd been, oh, but that was impossible, floating above the warehouse floor, just a little bit of an inch, but floating. He brushed off his hands, thinking someone else had put rat poison on the outside of the trunk. He'd seen sailors go into a crazy dance for messing with rat poison. Alf, said Mac again. What's wrong with you? Alf looked at Mac, then down at the trunk, then back at Mac. He put his fingers in both ears, looking silly. I, when, when I touched it, oh, didn't you hear them? Hear what? The bells. What bells? There weren't no bells. Bells and, and, and lights and... He stopped seeing the way Mac was looking at He stopped seeing the way Mac was looking at him. <gasps> Rat poison he said, slapping his hands against his pants, trying to get them clean. "'You already been to the tavern today?' asked Mac suspiciously. "'Rat poison!' said Alf, now rubbing his hands on a dirty old towel. Mac was looking at him half funny. "'Gots to get it off me hands!' "'Bells!' Mac teased him, shaking his head. He turned back to the trunk. Alf saw that Mac had slipped the canvas more tightly around the trunk and the rope around the canvas. A tiny bit of the trunk still showed. Hey, Mac, I dare you to touch it. What? Me? Oh, just touch the trunk on the wood there. I'm not messing with no rat poison. Do you remember what happened to Hungry Bob? Mac considered himself a cautious man, and the truth was he was afraid to touch the trunk now. He knew that something had happened when Alf touched it. Somehow, he'd felt it. No, Mac had decided there was something strange about this trunk. Why else would Slink give special orders in offering to a bob? Mac was not going to touch it. Thank you very much. 
It's not our job to fool with it, Max said, pulling the rope tightly. The canvas now covered the trunk entirely. Slank said, put it aboard the Neverland, and that's that. But Mac, I'm telling you, God's truth, rat poison or not, it felt good. Let's just finish the job, said Mac, pulling the knot tight. And take our two bob to the tavern, get our garag, quick-like, and forget about this trunk. All right, then, said Alf, though he didn't think he would soon forget that feeling he had just had. Maybe once the Neverland was underway, he could sneak in and visit this trunk again. Grunting, the two men lifted the canvas. Oops. Sorry, I lost my pages. <clears throat> Grunting, the two men lifted the canvas-wrapped trunk onto a handcart and trundled it out of the warehouse onto the wharf. A minute later, they passed the wasp, whose crew was preparing to cast off. She's a pretty ship, ain't she? said Mac. Uh, a what? said Alf, who'd been thinking about the trunk. I say, the wasp is a beauty. I'd love to sail on her someday. They say she's the only ship afloat that might outrun the sea devil. The mention of the pirate ship won Alf's full attention. The sea devil was the ship of the most feared pirate on the seven seas. Sailors said that if you caught sight of the sea devil, it was time to make your peace with your maker, because you'd be with him within the hour. No, no, ship, no ship can outrun the sea devil. Nobody ever has. Till now, said Mac, the wasp was built for just that. And Captain Scott is an able seaman as ever sailed these waters, unlike the idiot in charge of our bile bucket. Sneering, Mac nodded towards the Neverland, now just ahead. Oi, said Alf, Pembridge could capsize a dinghy on dry land. Cyrus Pembridge, the Neverland's captain, was widely regarded as the most incompetent man to command a ship since the formation of water. Who in the name of common sense would put to sea on that ship with that man in charge? wondered Mac. Well, Alf answered, we are. True, but nobody else hires the likes of ice. They were alongside the Neverland now. The ship had been loaded and provisioned. The crew was preparing to cast off. Most of the passengers were on deck. Some were looking around anxiously at the decrepit ship and the scruffy crew in whose hands they were placing their lives. Others were leaning on the dockside rail, watching the cast-off preparations. Among these, Alf noticed, was a group of five boys near the bow. They looked plainly scared, except for one, a wiry boy with bright orange hair. Not the largest of the lot, but the one who seemed to be in charge. He had an air about him, Alf thought. The look of a boy who doesn't miss much. It's about time, said Slank, tromping down the gangplank, trailed by two more seamen. You're late. Tide's begun to run. To the men behind him, he said, Get this cargo trunk on board. As the men bent to have to load Alf, not thinking, 
not knowing why he did it, slipped his hand under the canvas flap, thrusting it forward until his fingers felt the smooth wood. Here now, said Slank, what the dickens are you doing? Alf, what are you doing? said Mac, but Alf didn't hear them. Instantly he was lost in it all again. The warmth, the smell, the music and the floating, and it was so good, especially the sweet song. Oh, there was, there was something else in there too, something the bells were saying, trying to tell him. What was it? Hands off that cargo, Slink yelled. Alf felt himself yanked away from the truck, and then the music was gone, and all the other good feelings with it. Alf was wobbly, but with Mac's help, he managed to keep his feet. Alf watched two men carry the trunk onto the ship, and he felt a sadness come over him, because he knew he might not hear the music again. He almost wept, except that a man like Alf didn't cry. Then, no, he didn't know why, Alf looked towards the bow and found himself looking right into the startling blue eyes of the orange-haired boy. Oh, come on, Alf, said Mac, gently tugging at Alf's coat. Concerned about his old friend's strange behavior. But for a moment, Alf held still, his gaze still locked with that of the orange haired boy. Come on, repeated Mac, we're casting off. Alf turned and followed his friends toward the lines that held the ship to the wharf. After a few steps, he looked back, but the boy was gone. Boys get into all sorts of trouble, he thought his ears still ringing from the music of those bells.